The following podcast is brought to you by Radio Southland and New Zealand On Air. Radio Southland is a community access media station based in Invercargill, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website, radiosouthland.org.nz, for our contact details. Well, you're on Radio South, the 96.4 and Coast Access Radio up in Cavity. This is Grinding Gears with Pete and Darren. Your weekly show about cars and drivers, enthusiasts and the obsessed. This evening, yeah, we've got news on Mazda, Volvo, Audi, Toyota and, of course, Tesla time. So keep on listening.
Hey, it's Pete. And Aaron. Right here, right now on Grinding Gears, Radio South 96.4 and Coast Access FM in Copity. And kicking it off with Master, who has finally revealed patents that show a rear-wheel drive hybrid rotary sports car. Yep, uh, you heard that correctly. Uh, Mazda has actually filed patents for a rear-wheel drive sports car featuring an electrically-assisted three-rotor engine as a, and a transaxle transaxle <laughs> gearbox. The latest development in Mazda's long-running will-they-won't-they rotary sports car saga could possibly be here. It was first spotted by an online forum and subsequently picked up by Auto Evolution. Some recently uh, filed patent images show a rear-wheel drive sports car powered by a rotary engine. Yeah, the car detailed has its bragging rights over its RX-7, RX-8 forefathers as it features a three-rotor engine. The only road-going Mazda to be configured thusly was the Unos Cosmo, um, as almost uh, the RX cars included use the two-rotor power plants. And further differentiating itself from its predecessors, this proposed coupe features a transaxle gearbox as well as electrical assistance via a hybrid system. So far, so promising. So how excited should we be at this stage? Uh, there are a couple of reasons for optimism. Firstly, uh, Mazda has developed a new small rotary engine as a range extender for the MX-30, which it has previously said keeps the technology alive for the mythical RX-9. Secondly, the company has a new large product group architecture, which would be ideal for this hybrid rotary sports car. Yeah, the platform features a longitudinally mounted engine and is developed with both mild hybrid and plug-in hybrid applications in mind. It's designed to house members of Mazda's all-new inline-six engine setup too. So adopting a compact rotary engine, even one with three rotors, eh, should be no problem at all getting that in. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, patents come and go all the time without resulting in production applications. This one from Mazda could well end up in that camp. Plus, the window of opportunity is getting narrower all the time with the Euro 7 emission rules on the way. Uh, set to come into force in uh, 2025. They could make producing a car like a Rotary RX-9 very difficult indeed. And as far as they're going to go for all running in bloody electric cars, but anyway, which aren't that great for the environment, but they are getting better. But should Mazda manage to bring something like this RX-9 to the market, it could end up looking like the gorgeous RX Vision concept we put up on Facebook last year, I think. That was launched actually way back in 2015 at the Tokyo Motor Show. Uh, but all we can really do at the moment is just keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, but now for a bit of tech turn to Volvo. Wants to turn your whole windscreen into a giant HUD. The Volvo Cars Tech Fund has invested in a company called, uh, what do we call that, Spectralix. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, whose multi-layered thin combiner could revolutionise heads-up displays. And car heads-up displays are getting more and more sophisticated. You can buy them off the internet and plug them into your BD2, but uh, once on the cable showing basic information, there are now HEDs that can uh, show rev counters, navigation instructions, incoming calls, and all in a variety of different colours. Yeah, the TIG usually involves a projector behind the steering wheel that beams information onto the windscreen. Uh, but Volvo wants to take things a step further by making the entire screen one giant HUD. Uh, using Volvo's Car Tech Fund, founded in 2018, the Swedish firm has invested $2 million in Spectralix. 
a startup that might just make such a thing a reality. Apparently the key to all this is a multi-layered thin combiner, or MLTC, because who has a time? Described as thin optics film, the MLTC can be built into a car's windscreen and or windows, allowing for the display of all sorts of imagery. An example uh, image attached to the press release that I saw, you can see uh, more familiar HUD stuff like current speed along with speed limit uh, display very high up on the left side of the screen and an augmented reality warning for a uh, moose crossing. That was very Swedish. Yeah, there's a lot going on which might lead to distraction concerns. However, the argument could be made that such a concept has the potential to greatly reduce the need for the driver to take their eyes off the road. You've got to wonder how much you can see the road, though. Yeah. But Volvo was also looking at other possible applications for the technology, including advanced filters for various applications, in-cabin sensing, blind-proof front-looking cameras, and digital holographic projections. I don't expect to see this in a Volvo product anytime soon, though. The tech is said to be at an early stage of development. Yeah, speaking about investment, Volvo Cars Tech Fund boss Lee Ma said, Spectralix is a good portfolio fit for us, and we believe that their technology has potential to set a standard for the next generation of displays and cameras. So good luck to them there. Though we doubt uh, you'd be able to watch a movie on it, because it's a distraction. Yep. Uh, But now moving on, and Audi is entering Formula One through McLaren, or through a McLaren buyout, as well as a Porsche will power the Red Bull team. Yep. Some strong automotive news source reporting that uh, Audi had been tipped to buy out the McLaren F1 team, even as the Woking-based F1 squad refused that there had been any change to their ownership structure. Uh, a report from a car magazine called Car Magazine <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, now claims that the deal is, um, is as good as done. In addition to Audi entering Formula 1 through a McLaren buyout, uh, Porsche is allegedly readying an agreement to partner with Red Bull's Formula One team once Honda consultancy ends. The article suggests that one scenario is that the two teams, Audi McLaren and Porsche Red Bull, uh, would then team up to fight Ferrari and Mercedes. Other teams in the running as fallback options are an Audi and Williams and a Porsche and Alfa Tori or a Haas team set up. Yeah, McLaren recorded a 222.9 million pound loss in 2020 having reported a profit of only 91.1 million pound for the previous year uh, this loss at least partly came as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic mm. and the legacy that has been 830 redundancies yeah that's a bit of a kick in the nuts alright thanks oh. COVID the British Automotive McLaren Group, though, has moved to reject these reports in an email statement stating McLaren is aware of a news media report stating has been sold to Audi. This is wholly inaccurate, and McLaren is seeking to have the story moved. McLaren's technology strategy has always involved ongoing discussions and collaboration with relevant partners and suppliers, including other car makers. However, there has been no change in the ownership structure of the McLaren Group. Uh, two former Volkswagen executives... Uh, both appointed to the McLaren Group non-executive directors in early October, will steer the company for an interim period. Uh, they are former Porsche CEO Michael Markt, uh, who will run the technical and operations side, and Stefan Jacoby, who will also work, uh, who also worked at GM and Mitsubishi. 
Hmm, so who knows what the heck is going on, but as this year progresses, hopefully things will become clearer, including bloody COVID. Time for a break now, so kick back and enjoy some music. Back once more on Grinding Gears with Pete and Aaron here at Radio South 96.4 and all the way up at Coast Access Radio Capity. 
And good news that might make the GR Super more appealing is that Toyota has announced a factory manual option on the way. Cha-ching! Yeah, there's no technical reason why the GR Super can't have a manual gearbox. Uh, the range is BMW built B58 straight six and B48 inline four engines have been paired with six-speed manual transmissions before. And Supra Assistant Chief Engineer Masuki Kai even admitted um, a few years ago that a stick shift had indeed been developed for the sports car. Yeah, but at the time, and we remember actually us reporting on this, like, why the, why the heck not? But anyway, yeah. Toyota hadn't decided whether or not the demand was worth it, you know, which it, which it really would have been. But, you know, outlay of bringing manual super to the market, development, all that kind of stuff. But, hey, fast forward to 2022, and it seems like the Japanese company has. The conclusion? Thankfully, a yes. Uh, signing a source within Toyota's U.S. dealer network, uh, the drive reports that the three-pedal Supra is confirmed and could launch as soon as this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's more, it's said that the six-speed box will be available on both the 2.0-litre and the 3.0-litre versions of the car. Uh, previously, it was rumoured that only the smaller engine Supra would be so lucky. Yeah, why would they not put it in the 3-litre? But anyway, a prototype manual Supra was shown at a dealer event in Las Vegas actually last year, the source claims, alongside the incoming GR Corolla. In an official capacity, Toyota has neither confirmed nor denied. When contacted by the drive, the firm's US press team declined to comment. Meanwhile, Car Throttle approached Toyota GB, it's Great Britain, with a report and received a similar response. Uh, but sticking with the big T and the concept has been revealed at the Tokyo Motor, the motor Salon that could put everything else to shame. A race car, but with the promise of a street version. Uh, check it out on our Facebook, and um, we'll put up a couple of images. Yep, and we up there. Last week we had a double teaser from Toyota of its presence at the Toyota Salon. One car was quite clearly a new, more hardcore version of the GR Yaris. That's a mad little thing, that, eh? We've got stats on it. Uh, revealed to the GRMN. Uh, Yaris. <laughs> but there was a more mysterious racing concept that looks like no other Toyota. Uh, there's a good reason why. Uh, now fully revealed, we can see the GR GT3 concept is a clean sheet design. It has a long bonnet, a low roof line sweeping towards the rear of the car, a general sense of meanness about it. Mm-hmm. And Toyota has said precious little about it, save for one is very important statement. As was the case with the GR Yaris, by commercialising motorsports cars rather than simply adapting production vehicles for use in motorsports, TGR intends to use feedback and technologies refined through participation in various motorsport activities to develop both GT3 and a mass production car to further promote making even better motorsports bred cars. Now, you see, the GT3 rules stipulate the existence of a road car. You can't just turn up with a prototype. Uh, Normally, manufacturers will base their GT racing contender on a current production car, but Toyota is doing things the other way around. A little like what Mercedes did with the uh, GT1 dominating CLK GTR back in the 1990s. Yeah, so Toyota will be creating a racing car first and then spinning things off for the road car for that. 
pay will act as big brothers to the road-going GR Super, and apparently the GR Super GT4. No time frames for either car have been divulged, but we'll be watching the space. Damn, it's a cool-looking thing. So check out the Facebook. And uh, on that note, it's that time again. Tesla time. Yeah, and Tesla has issued uh, its biggest recall in Australia. Crikey. Oh, no. Uh, with three of, out of four cars affected. Yeah, well, Tesla Australia has followed its US and Chinese counterparts by issuing its biggest recall to date. Yep. Tesla Aussie has recalled 7,055 examples of its 2014-20 to 20 Tesla Model S and its 2017-20 to 20 Mosler Tesla Model 3 sedans for two separate faults. Amounting to approximately three out of every four Tesla cars sold locally. Yeah, the two recall notices filed with the Australian Department of Infrastructure refer to the same faults described in overseas recalls published earlier this month, which in the US and China affected a total of 674,873 Model S's and Model 3 sedans, or in a different way, 29.1% of the cars Tesla has ever produced. Mm. That's a pretty big number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Aussie recall accounting for 73.6% of the 9,588 Tesla vehicles registered on their roads in December 2020. Mirroring the fault described overseas, the Department of Infrastructure's recall notice for the Model 3 says, due to the routing of the rear view camera cable through the trunk lid, it may become damaged through repeated opening of said trunk lid. This will result in a rear camera not displaying on the centre console. A loss of the rear view camera may increase the chance of an accident causing injury or death while the driver is reversing. So what they're saying is Tesla drivers can't turn their head to use a rear mirror. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And uh, its recall notice for the Model S, the Department of Infrastructure says, due to a manufacturing issue, the secondary bonnet latch may be located in the incorrect position. This could prevent the secondary latch from engaging as designed. Yes, they reckon if the primary latch is released and the secondary latch is not engaged, the bonnet may open without warning. This also increases the risk of an accident causes injury to the vehicle. I mean, yeah, your bonnet comes flying up. You've ever been in the car when that's happened? No, but I can imagine. But, well, no one wants the freaking bonnet popping up anyway. Definitely uh, not. A full list of affected vehicles identification numbers, or... Bins, Bins, as we know them as, uh, for the Tesla Model S is available on the old internets, as well as details for the Tesla Model 3 will recall. So if you've got one, uh, you better have a look. Yeah, and that, you know, uh, that's New Zealand too, because maybe they just haven't been released here yet. So no. definitely, if you have a Model 3 or S, yeah, you get on the, the old internet. In both cases, though, the Department of Infrastructure advises owners will be notified when parts become available. I wonder if they have shipping supplies as well. Jeez. And then may schedule an appointment after that notification with Tesla service through their mobile app. Yeah, owners of affected Tesla Model 3 vehicles are also advised until the rectification work is complete. They should ensure additional checks of their surroundings are completed while reversing. Yeah, uh... Learn how most people drive with mirrors and stuff. Anyway, <laughs> that's us for another week here at Grinding Gears. Don't forget to remember not to be a dick and make it click.
The preceding podcast was brought to you by Radio Southland with the support of New Zealand On Air. Their funding of accessmedia.nz makes these podcasts available. To find similar programs by other stations involved, go online to accessmedia.nz. 